Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. What kind of insects can clerics turn? What kind of insects? Zombies. It's time for Compelled Duel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd, actual-played D&D 5th edition podcast. Previously on Compelled Duel. Hoist the colors! On the red flag. What's the red for? Any crew member we find aboard that ship's gonna die. Captain Adler, help has arrived! I really wish our reunion were under better circumstances, though. Hi! Didn't think we'd be meeting again at all. So why don't you tell me who you're sailing under, lad? Uh, uh, Vice Admiral Defiance, she said... You best beg for mercy from your Lord of Bones, lad. You'll find none from me. And in cold blood, he cuts this guy's throat and leaves him to drop and bleed out on the deck. Deciding to draw a moral line in the sand before the point that you help people isn't the action that you're making it out to be. It's the opposite of action. There is not anything in this world that I can think of that could convince me to keep playing his game or to draw power from the thing that killed my mother and Soren. I am sorry. I can't believe that any of this is good. That I'm good, not when none of this would have happened if it weren't for me. We have to. We have to believe that we are still capable of doing something good. He lets out this gut-wrenching sob and just tightens his hands around your wrists and pulls you forward and kisses you. Kathy kisses him back. This is spectacularly ill-advised. Lying flat on the wooden bottom of this drawer, it is a beacon coin. When it's attuned, she's going to send a message to Sabine. I'm alive with your husband. We need to talk. Fee. Fee, you are trancing. You maintain a semi-conscious state while you trance in the way that elves do. So you are aware of a couple of the things going on around you. You can process the gray light of an overcast morning filtering through your closed eyelids. You hear the click of a saucer on the bedside table next to you and smell hot, fresh tea. And you also feel a hand brush your hair back from your forehead and a pair of lips kiss you there. It's enough to wake you up. Oh, Fia's is awake, alert, and not enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> she still has the coin under the pillow that she borrowed. She keeps one hand on it and tries to look casual. 
you open your eyes, you sit up. The captain is dressed, has his boots on, has his coat and his hat on. Looks like he's ready to go about his day. He gives you this grin that is trying really hard not to be sad, but doesn't quite make it all the way there. Morning. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, <laughs> he kind of like runs a hand back through her hair. <sighs> uh, did you trance well? <laughs> <laughs> he lets out this kind of unhinged laugh for a second and then catches himself, regains his composure. And goes like he's going to nod to you, but then just shakes his head and says, Ah, uh, no. But, uh, fitful rest is easier with fine company. Right, yes, there's something I need to tell you. He's been in the process of sitting down on the edge of the bed and buckling up his boots and freezes. He looks over at you with a really awkward expression. Uh... <sighs> Look, lass, I think we could both agree that last night may have been a little ill-advised. But I, for one, don't regret it. And it doesn't have to change anything, if you don't want it to. Oh, that wasn't what I was, uh, it was, um... She kind of reaches back and rubs at the back of her neck. She says, I also don't regret it, but that, that wasn't... What I needed to talk to you about, I, um, her grip tightens on the coin a little bit, and then she nods to herself, brings her hand out from under the pillow, and just settles it in her lap. <laughs> There's a reason Leo and I wanted to go to Proport that I didn't tell you about. His eyebrows furrow a bit. He looks confused. Right, well, uh. Given the present state of affairs, and he nods over at your clothes at the end of the bed, and then back over at your whole situation, I'd hope that you know that you can be honest with me. Right, well, uh, you know how I said that we ended up in Oskaya unexpectedly? I? So, there are these Big, uh, permanent teleportation circles, I suppose is the way to put it, in a few places. Uh, Leo and I were both in Gimtarum to investigate one that is just outside of the city, and it malfunctioned, and we ended up on one in Oskaya. And there's one in the Zephyr Isles, and it's in Proport. Okay, just for fairness sake, I am going to roll a history check for the captain. He's not going to do well at it. Yeah, that's a 13, actually, and given that he actually does have knowledge of what's really going on here, I'm going to say that that does it. His frown deepens a little bit, and he tilts his head to the side. Circles, you said. Yes, the ones I've seen have been, uh... Big, flat, round stones with sort of, uh, runes carved around the edges. He's still sitting there on the edge of the bed. He nods and kind of plants his hands on both of his knees. Huh. That sounds like Demora's doorstep. 
Can I roll something to see if I know what that is? Um, the answer to that would have been in the book, so you can go ahead and roll me religion. I hate your ass so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so what does a nat 20 get me? Plus six, so it's a 26. A 26 gets you a big fat lore dump on the religion of the Zephyr Isles, so strap the fuck in. My plot. My carefully constructed plot. <laughs> so during your beach day and during your downtime that you had while you were chasing the ship that had captured the crew of the Moray, you spent a lot of time going through the copy of the book that the captain lent you. It was a hard read because it was written in kind of an archaic Aquin script and it was hard to puzzle out. But you worked really hard on it with that 26, and you got through the thing cover to cover. It's kind of an amalgam of ancient law, history, mythology, philosophy. There's a lot going on in the book. You do remember the name Demora pretty quickly. There are several figures in the book Again, the language was really hard for you to parse out. They're not gods. They're some mix of historical and mythological figures. They're not referred to in the language of the book in the same way that, say, Kimrel is referred to in Australian religious texts. Not so much worshipped as invoked, used to teach lessons, things like that. Kiva is mentioned in the book as one of these figures, but we'll get to that later because what you are thinking about now is the story of Demora and the Grey One, which is one of the stories that you read while you were going through the book. Essentially, what that story was about was about one of these mythological historical figures known as Demora the Stone Shaper, who laid the foundation of the first citadel and the city of Pearlport. The story went that she was married to a person, entity, referred to only as the Grey One within the text of the book, and that the Grey One left to serve the people. You were able to kind of conjecture, again, with that 26, that that's kind of the foundation of why state service works the way it does. And the words Demora's doorstep were not in the book, but you are able to kind of put together that that probably has something to do with the foundation stone of the Citadel. And you draw enough connections to figure out, oh, this thing's probably a portal. I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want the information on Kiva now, or do you want it later? Uh, later. Okay, so you're just taking the relevant information and running with it. I will let you invoke that 26 religion check. Anytime you want to check in about Kiva. Because I know that that was a big part of why you wanted to read through the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fever calls this information and nods and she goes, it, it, Is that easy to get to by any chance? Is it a place you could just go? The captain blinks at you. Well, it's in the middle of the foyer of the Pearlport Citadel, so it's easy enough. Interesting. Helpful. Okay. We were hoping that it would help us get around the blockade issue. Or it could send you headfirst back to Eskaya. Seems like a steep gamble. 
we have limited options. But that's neither here nor there till we get to Proport, I suppose. The captain scrubs a hand down his face and grins a little bit and mumbles under his breath. Legislators are going to shit their pants when they figure out that the damn rock actually does something. Here I was thinking it was an allegory. Anyway. He stands up, adjusts his hat on his head, and kind of dusts off the front of his coat and says, I need to go discuss a few things with Miriam and make sure we're on course. I'll see you later, all right? (laughs) Uh, yes, see you later. The expression on his face softens a lot, and he leans down, puts one hand on the side of your face, and just gives you this really sweet kiss, and then he turns around and leaves the captain's quarters. Fee gives herself two seconds to sit there smiling dreamily, and then as soon as he has left the room, rushes out of bed, puts her clothes on, and then she's gonna ever so carefully put the coin back where she found it, and then run off to find Leo. (laughs) Boy, howdy, this is about to be an interesting conversation. So, Leo, you're in your bunk, presumably? Uh, kind of. I took my trance as soon as we got back on the ship, but when I woke up and saw that Fee was not there, I am sitting on the bottom bunk. If we have any kind of lantern in our room, I have hooded it so that I can flick it on as soon as Fee walks in, and I'm just waiting. (laughs) You've just been sitting there all night? Like a dad whose teenager is out past curfew, yes. (laughs) It is well into the morning by the time Fee walks in. I immediately flip the hood on the lantern so the light comes on and go, And where have you been? Fee stops in the doorway, tilts her head, and goes, Uh... That's a complicated question. Oh, I'm sure it is. Don't mind me. I'm just out here being more emotionally vulnerable than I ever have with another person in my entire life, and it's a complicated question. Did you have a good night, Fee? I made some choices. I do not regret those choices, but they were not good. And she moves further into the bunk and starts, like, pacing, and she says, On a scale from 1 to 10, uh, how big of a mistake would it be if hypothetically, hypothetically, I sent a message to, I suppose she's not officially my girlfriend. Leo sits up a little straighter in the bunk. That doesn't matter. Uh, we'll say my girlfriend for clarity's sake. How bad of an idea would it be if I sent a message to my girlfriend for the first time in months when presumably she's thought I was dead for the whole time, and when I sent that message I was in bed with her husband, who she is separated from, because they have tried to kill each other. Leo's jaw drops open. He goes on like a full facial expression journey as he's thinking through this and processing it. You know, I am not sure whether to be amused or horrified how well-equipped I am to answer questions about regrettable decisions made while you're in bed with someone else. But we're not here to talk about me. You did what? Keep your voice down, please. Thank you. I, hypothetically, may have accidentally acquired the means to get in touch with Sabine, 
not while the captain and I were, a- after, after the captain and I had uh, uh, engaged in some activities. Back it up, back it up. Who's Sabine? You met her in the nightclub. She tried to cast vicious mockery on you. Oh. Oh, oh my god, Fee. Also, again, she is the captain's wife. They're separated. Oh my god, Fee! Also, I may have told Sabine we were headed for Pearlport, and then I I maybe almost told the captain that I told Sabine that, but then I chickened out, and now he knows about the portal. Leo gets very slowly to his feet, walks over to Fee, reaches up, and oh so gently puts a hand on either side of her face. And so, so sweetly and calmly says, You are my little sister. I love you so much. I am so proud of you for figuring out all of these new things about yourself. I don't like fuck around and find out, Fee. (laughs) I love you. I hate this. To be fair, I've been doing a bit more of one than the other, but on the upside... There is no upside! You told him about the portal? On the upside, he knows where it is. Oh, fantastic! We've gleaned valuable information by you being some kind of scarlet woman! Can't emphasize enough, I have now started an affair with both halves of a marriage built on homicide attempts. Leo fully sits down on the bottom bunk and puts his head in his hands. I never thought that I would say this, but I have never been so glad to be single in my life. Okay, I know it's been a few months, but if the way that you acted with that very handsome orcish gentleman in the nightclub back in Gimtarum is how you act when you're single, you have no right to be joking about me being a scarlet woman, Leo. Yeah, that's Zed, and that is also extremely complicated. Um, we took a while to figure things out, and then literally the day after we figured things out, I got zapped halfway across the world, fired off a sending spell to tell him where I was and explain the situation as best I could, and he told me to fuck off, so that's a dead horse that I'm not willing to beat anymore with everything else going on. There is a long pause, and then Fee says, You had a sending spell? Yeah, cleric things. It was useful for a while, but that ship has sailed, as it were. Fee picks up one of the pillows off of the bottom bunk and just starts hitting you with it. Ow! Ow! What? Stop! You had a sending spell the whole time! No, I had a sending spell for roughly the first eight hours that we were in Oskaya. And, well, really, I didn't even have it then, because I didn't have enough power to cast it, and then I ran off into the woods, got chased by a giant moth, by the way, that was super horrifying, I still have nightmares about it. And then the whole confrontation with Kimrel happened, and I told him I was done, and then I was done, so... Really, if you want to look at it, technically, I had a sending spell for, like, five minutes. And you didn't think to ask if I maybe needed to get into contact with anyone? 
No, I didn't because I had necrotized my holy symbol before I had the chance to talk to you again. She hits you with the pillow a couple more times. What do you want from me? Nothing now. It's just that your moral line in the sand seems to be drawn in the shape of a middle finger pointed right at me. Oh, does it? Does it, Fee? Let me help you out with something a little more literal. He flips her off and grabs another pillow and smacks her in the head with it. Okay, so you two devolve into the world's pettiest pillow fight. I'm gonna try to swing a pillow at Fee's head in such a way that it catches her under the horns and knocks her head off the side of the bunk. Oh no! (laughs) We're gonna do a dex contest. 24. 21, okay. My rogue level said, fuck you. Yeah, you fully knock Fee's head into the wood under the bunk. Uh, she's gonna take three bludgeoning damage. You ring your sister's bell pretty hard. And she, like, puts one hand on each horn, like they're vibrating a little bit. And she goes, ow, you jackass! She picks the pillow that she was hitting you with back up and starts to raise it to swing it. And then you hear a commotion on deck. Most clearly, you hear you yelling, Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me! Leo pauses also with his pillow mid-swing, looks up over his head, looks back at Fee. What do you say we put a pause on this and we'll finish it later? Oh, we'll finish something, all right. And then Fee puts her pillow down and rushes out of the bunk. Fee, you and Leo go tearing out of the bunk and into the narrow hallway outside the crew's quarters. And I'm going to need both of you to roll me a dexterity saving throw. That's a nat one, so it's a four. Ouch. Okay. Leo rolled a 17, so he is okay. You take a further three bludgeoning damage. As under your feet, the ship pitches and rolls so sharply that the floor goes out from under your feet and you go smacking into the wall on the side of the hallway. <clears throat> Ow. Ouch. She looks at Leo and says, it's not my fucking day, is it? Leo had managed to grab onto the doorknob of the door to the cruise quarters before this big wave rocked the ship, so he is still on his feet. But you look over at him and he looks more green than blue for a second. He kind of lurches on his feet and goes, mm. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it. And then he just starts running down the hallway. You guys make your way down the hallway through these lower decks. You pass the open door to the hold where boxes are just everywhere. And Ascot is inside having a little bit of a panic attack as he attempts to stack everything back up and keep it in place. He looks like he's got it handled, though. You keep running. The door to the infirmary is also open, and you see Doc sitting inside at her desk as the ship pitches and rolls again. She looks cool. She just has a book open in front of her, and as the ship rocks, a cup of tea that she has on a saucer in front of her goes skidding across her desk, and she just reaches out and stops it without looking up from her book and calmly takes a sip. You two actually run into the captain as you are running up from below decks. He emerges from a little side room with Miriam Adler next to him, 
both of them look confused and a little bit panicked. The captain nods at the two of you, claps Miriam on the shoulder, and goes, Someone will need to go down and help Ascot in the hold. Do you mind doing that for me? Miriam just nods. Aye, sir! And she takes off, going down back towards the lower decks. And the three of you just start booking it to get up on deck. As you throw open the door from below decks to cross up onto the deck of the ship, I am going to need everyone to roll initiative. It's an 18. Okay. Leo got a 16. The captain... So the captain rolled in at one with his swashbuckler stuff that's still an 11, but with our homebrew rules, that means he is going to be skipping our first round, which blows because the three of you walk up onto the deck and Fee, you see the shifting Aurora-like lights of Kiva's mantle. The last time you saw these was during your conversation with the captain right after you left Mistborough. And they were pretty close, and it was a pretty gnarly storm. They are so close now that the lights are intermingling with the topmost sails and the crow's nest. The wind is blowing, thunder is roaring, the ship is pitching back and forth very precariously. And the deck of the ship is just in chaos. Yeah, I'm going to step out, try to figure out what I can do. Okay, I'm going to roll initiative for everybody else on the crew that's up on deck right now. Glasses is up there. He looks like he's been tinkering on cannons. He rolls a 17. Not bad. Very impressive with his negative one. Yu's going to roll her initiative with advantage because of barbarian things. She rolls a 21. Once again, this teenager is the most competent person on this ship. Pelican rolls. Well, never mind what I said about you because Pelican rolled a 25. And Boots rolled (laughs) an 8. The deck is just in absolute chaos. The crew are running back and forth, trying to get everything locked down for what appears to be an absolute monster of a storm that is getting ready to descend on all of you. Because of the combat rules that I have set up for this, the storm is also going to roll initiative. And it got a nine. So the only person going after the storm is Boots. You see him laboriously against the wind, making his way across the deck, and he's griping to himself, just, Look! I'm a big man! I'm built for endurance, not for speed! And up in the rigging, Pelican goes, (laughs) (laughs) You is over at the railing, trying to lash down a line, tying something down, and goes, Ugh! And now is where we're going to get into discussing the rules of this particular, I wouldn't call it a combat, but initiative that we're going to be doing. So, you guys are in 
an absolute beast of a storm, and it is very dangerous. The most dangerous portion of the storm lasts for 10 rounds of initiative. The storm rolls initiative along with the crew, which I already did. On its turn, it does 3d10 bludgeoning damage and knocks prone any creature who does not pass a DC 15 strength saving throw. So basically, you don't pass that strength save, you get your ass kicked by a wave. On a success, the creature remains upright and takes no damage. The storm automatically does 10d10 bludgeoning damage to the hull of the ship at the end of each of its turns. If the ship falls below 200 HP, it will start to sink, and that is irreparable. The ship has 500 hit points. If it falls below 200, it's gonna start sinking, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. On each crewmate's turn, they can choose one of three actions. Help, brace, or take cover. By taking the help action, a crewmate may describe what they are doing to help mitigate the storm's damage and remove 1d10 from the pool of the storm's automatic damage for that round. By taking the brace option, the crewmate forfeits all of their movement for this turn in favor of grabbing onto the nearest solid object, granting themselves advantage on their strength saving throw to take damage from the storm. By taking the take cover action, the crewmate uses the dash action to get below deck and will take no storm damage for the time that they remain there. However, if and when the crewmate elects to go back on deck, they must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw taking 3d10 bludgeoning damage from the sudden onslaught of wind and rain on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. So, the storm is fighting the ship. The ship is fighting the storm. This is not a combat, this is a survival effort. And thus, we are not using the 6 second combat round rule. It is just whatever anybody can do in their turn to help keep the ship in as good of shape as they can. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So we are going to start off our initiative with Pelican. So what he's going to do for his help action is he is going to use one of his Eldritch Invocations from his Undead Warlock features to cast Jump at will. He's been up in the rigging, kind of working up to one of the lower sails, and he just rockets up into the air and starts yanking at all of the lines for the sails up there, trying to get all the sails trimmed as fast as he can. And then we are down to you, who is also going to take the help action. She runs across the deck, unsheathing her greatsword from her back, and just fully cuts the lower lines of the mainsail so that it is flapping in the wind, as Pelican is up in the rigging attempting to bring the rest of them down. And then, Fee, it is your turn. Again, you get the help action, the brace action, or the take cover action. I'm going to help. I'm going to try to brace the wheel so it's not getting blown all over the place, and the steering mechanism isn't going wild. Okay, you run off full tilt up towards the upper decks of the ship where the wheel is, and just hold it in place as well as you can. I'm going to yell to Boots, help me with this, since he's the biggest person on deck. He's not getting to you super fast. He's struggling against the wind because he's also the broadest person on deck and catching the most of it going, I'm working on it. Understood. You're doing amazing. And then we're down to glasses. And the thing about glasses is that his strength score is six. So he's going to take the brace action and he is not going to help. He is just going to try to hold on. 
he's been trying to lock the cannons into place and just holds on to the railing as a massive wave rises up out of the ocean. The rain is pouring down around all of you. Lightning and thunder are going off. And Glasses just locks an arm around the railing and holds on. Leo is also going to take a brace action because his strength score is also bullshit. So you see him kind of slap his hands on either side of the door frame from the lower decks and just try to hold on, looking very ill as the ship pitches back and forth. And then we're down to the captain, who did roll an at one on initiative, so because of our homebrew rule, he does have to skip this round. He strides out onto the deck very confidently, looking very in command of the situation, looks around to all the people running back and forth, cups his hands around his mouth and yells, Right! All hands on deck! Batten down the hatches! Trim up that mainsail! We've got a big one on our hands, and I think it's gonna- Ah! The sail that you helped to cut down comes crashing down onto the deck as Pelican finishes letting the lines go up in the rigging. The wind catches it, and it goes flying and just catches the captain and wraps itself fully around him. Oh no! You hear muffled, furious Aquan cursing. It sounds like the dolphin squeaks that filter out the cuss words in Spongebob. (laughs) And now it is the storm's turn. We had three people take the help action this turn, so the storm is only rolling 7d10 damage against the hull of the ship. It hits automatically. Ow. So that's 46 damage, and the ship is now down to 454 hit points. Again, if it goes below 200, it's going to start sinking. And now everybody's going to roll their strength throws. The people that braced themselves are going to get advantage on this. Pelican did not brace himself. He helped, so he's going to roll a straight strength saving throw. That's a 14. He doesn't make it. You also took the help action. She's going to get a strength saving throw. 11. She also doesn't make it. Fee, go ahead and roll me a strength saving throw, please. That's a natural one. I'm going to use one of my rerolls. I'm going to use a second reroll. That was an 8. Okay, there we go. That's a 17 on the die, so that's a 20. Okay, you pass. You take no damage. Glasses gets advantage on this roll, but he does have a negative 2. No, he doesn't make it. Leo also gets advantage, but he has a negative one, so here we go. Leo doesn't make it. The captain, I think, is also going to have to make this roll, but it's just going to be a straight roll because he got taken out of commission for the round. Captain doesn't make it. And Boots took the help action, so he doesn't get advantage on this. Oh my god. Boots doesn't make it either, god damn. So, Fee, everybody but you is going to take 3d10 bludgeoning damage from getting caught by this absolutely monstrous wave that comes up out of the ocean and slams down into the ship. Okay, well, that's only 8 damage. And also, everybody but you, Fee, are knocked prone by this wave that just crests up over the side of the ship and washes everybody else off their feet. And then it's Boots' turn. He's going to laboriously get back up to his feet and keep running for the wheel and take the help action so he can remove another D10. 
back up at the top of the order with Pelican, he got knocked out of the rigging almost for a second, but then catches himself and keeps climbing for the crow's nest to keep trimming the sails. He is also going to take another help action. Fee, what are you doing on your turn? I'm taking the help action. I'm still at the wheel. Okay. You keep struggling with the wheel. It is pulling really hard against you. You are yanking back as hard as you can against it just to keep the ship straight. The ship took a lot of damage on that last wave. Glasses is going to take the help action too, even though it's probably going to fuck him on his strength save and just starts strapping the cannons into place and battening down the hatches as best he can. Leo's going to brace again because he's trying to keep his hit points up as high as he can to keep going in case anybody goes down. And the captain actually gets to go this round. So the captain is going to take the help action as well and just sprints across the deck to where you are at the wheel and grabs the spoke next to the one you are holding and helps you in keeping the ship steady. The rain is lashing down. All of you are soaking wet. Thunder, lightning, wind. It's very disorienting as this storm unleashes its full fury upon you. So now it's the storm, and with Boots' help action from the last round, the storm is actually only going to roll 4d10 damage on the ship. 27 more damage. The ship is down to 422 hit points. And now we're going to do everybody's strength saving throws. So Pelican makes it, just barely. He doesn't take any damage. You also makes it. She does not take any damage. Fee, I need a DC 15 strength saving throw for me, please. 21. You also are not taking any damage. Glasses does not get advantage on this because he helped. Nat 20! Yeah! That's my little boy! There's a good lad! Leo does get advantage because he did brace. Leo also rolled a nat 20. Leo is also fine. The captain helped, so he doesn't get advantage on this, but he does have a plus one to strength. Natural 18, so that's a 19. He's fine. And Boots... Only rolled a 13, so Boots is going to be the only one that takes damage this round. He goes up to try to grab the captain by the waist and help anchor the wheel down into position, and this wave just bitch slaps him, and he goes flat on his back. Boots is going to take 21 bludgeoning damage. So that puts Boots down to 69 hit points. That number has never been less nice. But now it's Boots' turn. He's going to get back up from where he has been knocked on his back by another big wave that comes up over the side of the ship and grab the captain around the waist again and help the two of you try to hold the wheel in place. So we're back up at the top of the order with Pelican, who is going to take another help action and just continues hauling in the sails. He's up in the rigging. You hear the bird shouting at people. Avast, you scurvy dogs! Yu is also going to take another help action. She runs over to where Glasses is trying to get the guns locked away and starts helping him with that. Fee, you are up. What are you doing? If Boots and the Captain are both on the wheel, I'm going to start trying to tie shit down on deck. 
Okay. Yeah, there are boxes and chests just tumbling everywhere. You try to stop as many as you can. That's going to count as a help action. Glasses is feeling confident after that nat 20. He's going to take another help action as well. He and you are just locking these cannons away, strapping them in with big leather straps that lock into metal rings that are screwed in to the railing of the ship. Leo is also feeling confident after his nat 20 and is going to take a help action. He starts running over to where the sails are lashed down on the lower parts of the mast and starts just untying them and freeing them up so Pelican can pull them up from further up in the rigging. The captain is taking a help action. He's just holding onto the wheel, trying to keep the ship going straight. Now it's the storm's turn, so everybody in combat took a help action for this round, so the storm only gets 3d10 damage on the ship. God. So that's 24 more damage on the ship. Ship's down to 398 hit points. And now everybody's going to make a strength save. Nobody's getting advantage. Pelican got a dirty 20. He's fine. You got a natural one. She's not fine. Fee, roll me a strength saving throw, please. 14. Okay, yeah, you're not fine. Glasses got a 12. He's not fine either. Leo got an 18. He's good. The captain got a natural 20. He is fine. The captain braces his foot up against the railing and holds on to the wheel as this wave crashes over the ship, and he is good. And Boots got... Come on, big man. (laughs) Come on, big man. (laughs) Come on, big man. He rolled an eight, but he gets a plus nine, so he's fine. (laughs) Just barely. So Glasses, Fee, and you are going to be the ones taking damage this round. All three of them take... 13 bludgeoning damage. I should take this moment to mention that Glasses and Fee are both not looking good. It is Boots' turn. He is going to take another help action. He's still just holding the captain in place, trying to keep the wheel straight. Back at the top with Pelican, he finishes hauling in most of the sails and jumps down out of the crow's nest down onto the deck in, like, a superhero pose. And then the bird flutters down and lands on his shoulder. He takes off towards the bow of the ship, where a lot of the forward sails are still up, and starts working on them. Yu's gonna go ahead and grab another help action. She goes tearing off after Pelican and starts helping him pull down all of these forward sails up towards the bow of the ship. Fee, what would you like to do? I'm gonna brace, I've taken a lot of damage. You've been working on securing a lot of these boxes and chests on the upper deck where the captain and Boots are still wrestling with the ship's wheel, and you see another big wave rising up out of the ocean as the rain continues hammering down on all of you, and you just lock one arm under the railing and brace yourself for it because you know that it's gonna knock you on your ass. Glasses is also going to brace, because he's also not looking good. Leo's going to take a help action, because he's still feeling okay. 
he's going to run up on you, Fee, and check on you to make sure that you're okay, and then look back over towards the wheel and start moving to help Boots and the captain. The captain's still holding onto the wheel. He's going to take the help action. And now it is the storm's turn. We had a couple more braces this round, so the storm is going to do a total of 5d10 damage on the ship. So that's 41 damage on the ship. The ship is down to 357 hit points. You guys are closing on that 200 where shit's about to start breaking really bad. So now we're going to roll our strength saves. So I'm going to roll for Pelican. That's an 18 on the die. He's fine. You get another natural one. My God. Uh. Ma'am. Okay, so she's not good. Fee, you braced, so you get advantage on this strength saving throw. I'm going to use my last reroll, even with advantage. That was only a 14. Okay. I don't do it. Okay, you're going to take some more damage. Glasses is also going to get advantage on his roll. Glasses doesn't do it either. Leo took the help action. He gets no advantage on this roll, so that's a negative one. Leo doesn't do it. The captain also does not get advantage. The captain doesn't do it. And Boots also doesn't get advantage. Boots is fine. So it's going to be you, Glasses, Leo, the captain, and Fee that are taking this 3d10 damage. 12 bludgeoning damage for all of them. Most of the crew look okay. Fee, Leo, and Glasses do not feel good. None of them do. It's Boots' turn. He's going to help action again. You see him reach down and help the captain to his feet after he gets knocked on his ass by this wave, and they both just start wrestling with the wheel again. Back up at the top of the order with Pelican. He and you are still up at the bow of the ship. He's going to take a help action as well. They keep wrestling with these sails that are up lashed to the bowsprit, just trying to get all of them down to try to slow the ship down and keep it from taking any more damage. You is also going to take another help action. Fee, it is your turn. What would you like to do? You don't feel good. You can see that Leo has been knocked around quite a bit, and Glasses looks in dangerously bad shape. Leo's near me, right? We both got knocked prone pretty close to each other. Yeah, I think you two went down right next to each other. You're looking at each other across the sea-soaked planks of the deck. He's going to sit up, try to, like, grab Leo by the arm and, like, yell over the storm. We should get inside. Grab glasses. You and Leo both get to your feet and take off down the stairs by where the captain and Boots are still wrestling with the wheel. Leo grabs Glasses by the back of the shirt and pushes him off in front of you two. He and Glasses are both running to take the take cover option on this round. Fee, I want you to roll me a perception check really quick. That's an 18. You see Leo and Glasses both run off ahead of you, and Leo shoves Glasses through the door to push him down the stairs to get below deck and turns around to look at you, raises his hands, and yells, What are you waiting for? And you are waiting because you hear this deep, ominous creak from right behind you. You turn around, 
and the last sail that Pelican didn't manage to get down before he ran off with you is being blown by these intense winds, and you hear the mast just creaking below the strain of it. It sounds like it is about to snap like a fucking toothpick. Can I cast a spell and do something else for a help action? What would you like to do? I'd like to cast Control Winds to stop the wind from blowing on that sail. And I would like to start just slashing ropes to get the sail down. Okay, those two things combined would be a help action. You are not going to be able to get below deck this round, but that will count as a help action to reduce damage on the boat. Yeah, that's fine. I can take one more hit. You whip around, throw up this control wind spell to keep the wind out of the sail, and start hacking at the lines with your knife, where it's tied in places you can reach. From the doorway below decks, you see Leo still braced there, looking after you, and he yells, What are you doing? Get inside! And now it's the captain's turn. The captain heard Leo yell that, and he looks down at you from where he and Boots are still wrestling with the ship's wheel, nods, and goes, Oi, lass, that doesn't seem like a bad idea! And he's going to continue to take the help action and take another D10 off of the storm damage, just still trying to keep the ship going forward. Fee just turns and to Leo and the captain yells, I'll get inside in a minute. The mast is about to go down and I, and she hacks at one of the ropes and just yells up at the sky, do not hacks at another rope, except this. I'm going to go ahead and roll the damage on the ship for the storm. That's 17 damage. The ship has 340 hit points left. And let's roll some strength saves. Glasses and Leo are inside. Pelican gets a 9. He doesn't do it. You get an 18, so it's a 27. She's good. Fee rolled a nat 20. Fee rolled a natural goddamn 20. Okay. <laughs> Fee does not accept this. Fee does not accept this. Captain rolls a 12. He has a plus one. He doesn't save. Boots got a seven, so plus nine. He saves. So I'm going to roll that 3d10 bludgeoning damage for Pelican and the captain. That's going to be 17 for both of them. Leo, you are standing in the doorway into the lower decks. And there is a moment where time slows down and everything goes still. You watch your sister hack at the last rope on the sail and get it down. She is still yelling at the sky, a knife in one hand, and she just raises it and she yells, Do you hear me? I do not accept this! And you watch as a lightning bolt comes out of the sky and just hits her dead on. And she goes down like a sack of bricks. A homebrew feature of Kiva is that she rolls max damage on all lightning spells. Fee cannot roll mechanically high enough on a dex save to take half damage from the spell. 
so she is going to take 100 lightning damage from a ninth level call lightning in the storm. And she has 25 hit points, so that will get her 75 under zero, which is above her max HP. What does that mean? Fee goes down. She does not get the chance to do any death saves. She is automatically dead as she hits the deck. Fee, your perception of time slows to a crawl. You look back towards your brother, who is yelling after you, and up to the captain, who is encouraging you to get inside. You decide that you are not willing to accept this. The fact that you saved all of these people, and that this storm means that all of them may die anyway, and scream that refusal to the sky, and the world around you goes blinding white. There is a moment of consuming, fiery pain like you have never experienced, like every cell of your body is just on fire. And then, for a moment, there is nothing. It feels like passing through a portal. That utter sensory deprivation, that lack of experience of anything. And then you are right back in a storm, but it is not the storm that you were just experiencing. You look down and your hands are pressed flat to rolling waves of black water in the middle of the night. And above you, this aurora effect of purples and greens and dark blues and grays is rippling in the sky. Lightning is shooting down into the sea. Rain is coming down in sheets and you are just on your hands and knees on the top of this water suspended. You look up and in front of you, Standing on the surface of the water as well, towering over you, is a figure enrobed in a long, stormy cloak that is reflecting the lights flashing in the sky overhead. Kiva looks up at you. That shadow where their face should be illuminates with the two bright, crackling blue eyes and the lightning bolt smile. And she says... A valuable lesson to learn is that whether or not we accept things, they have a way of happening anyway. (laughs) Fee just keeps her palms pressed to the water and says, Oh, that is such a load of shit. I'm dead, aren't I? That electric smile widens by a couple inches. She takes a few steps closer to you, 
leans down and offers out a hand as if to help you to your feet. Yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> Can I invoke that 26 religion check now? Uh, yeah. To get the, the lore dump on Kiva that you got from the book? Yes. As you are sitting here very much dead in this liminal space, you remember a few things. Kiva was not one of the larger presences in the book. Her influence on it was very much back towards the end, a couple chapters, not nearly as much presence as some of the other mythological figures. Again, the language was really hard for you to parse out. You didn't get too much in detail from the stories of Kiva that you were able to read. But a couple of things that you remember gathering are that she came grievously injured from across the sea. That the Isles took them in as their own. And that she is Tempest Master controller of storms handles all of that sort of thing. It wasn't horribly specific, but given what you've just been told and what you've just experienced, you can put a couple things together. Fee accepts that hand and gets to her feet. Looks around at the rolling ocean under her and then looks at Kiva and says, so what exactly happens now? That's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer to it. I can't bring you back, if that's what you're thinking of asking me. I am a goddess of the inevitability and necessity of death. And I have learned over time that to go against my nature is historically not a good idea. That's where I envy you mortals. You can shift and switch and grow and learn and contradict yourselves and come out better because of it. And well, that didn't work out so great for me. Oh, I'll be sure to send you a condolence card. Oh, wait, I can't. I'm dead. Yes, you are. This is perfectly in my wheelhouse. What would you like? A flashback of your life before your eyes? Reflections on things you could have done better? The reassurance that there's something better beyond all of this? What do you want, Ferrara? I want the truth. They fully reel back for a second and take a step back from you on the surface of this rolling water beneath your feet. Kiva doesn't have a face, but those crackling electric eyes narrow as if she is squinting at you and frowning. That's a big ask. Well, Kiva, I don't think it's as big of an ask as accepting that you murdered me. She smiles, this curved bolt of lightning 
illuminating the inside of the shadowy cavern of this hood of the cloak that's pulled up over their head. You gave me a name. I'll give you an answer. You get one question. Why? There is a long pause filled with nothing but the sound of thunder and rain falling down on the ocean and rolling waves. And then they step forward and you feel two cold hands close on either side of your face. Because none of this was supposed to happen. Not to me. Not to you. But also because you understand it in a way that not very many people do. You understand that family is a very heavy word that can mean nothing and everything at the same time. (laughs) That's it? That's my answer? You killed me so you could give me some vague cryptic bullshits about the importance of family? My family is on that ship! Those two cold hands on either side of your face do not waver. And you see, as much as you can, this crackling electric facial expression go very serious. Well, if I can't give you an answer, then let me give you a bit of advice. When all else fails, when everything seems impossible, When something as insurmountable as overcoming death is on the table. Sometimes the best thing any of us can do is trust our brother. And then, Fee, some wild shit happens to you. You see another bright white flash, almost as if you've been struck by lightning again. And your perception is warped and off and wrong, because suddenly you are laying on your back, and you can't breathe. And you taste blood in your mouth, but it tastes wrong. It tastes like ichor, too much and too rich for you to know what it actually is. You are looking up over your head, and the sky is wrong, because the sky is not supposed to be this shifting canvas of purples and greens, and over your head, you see two eyes, bright, vibrant purple, all iris with slit pupils. You feel two hands locked around either of your shoulders, shaking you as you choke and gasp for air around this blood in your throat that doesn't feel like yours. No, 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 no. Hey, look at me. You you don't get to leave me. You You don't don't get get to to leave me. Fee, these eyes that are hovering over you that are all you can see anymore flicker back and forth between this solid purple with a slitted pupil to wide blue terrified, welling over with tears. 
the sky goes back and forth between this purplish greenish to deep gray and soft aurora-like lights. And then everything goes white. Back on the ship, it is Boots' turn. Boots is going to use the help action because the captain lets go of the wheel and bolts down the stairs. So Boots is the only one holding it. And then we go back up to Pelican, who is still uh, futzing with the sails. So he is also going to use the help action. I think Yu is going to brace herself, just because she's been having such a rough time with the waves. Fee is dead, she cannot take actions. Glasses is taking cover. Leo, what are you doing? I'm able to see all this happen. So what you see right now is the front of the ship out of the door down to the lower decks. I think you can see Pelican, and you can see you, and you can see Fee's lifeless body on the deck of the ship. I run for her. Make a con save. Natural goddamn 20. Okay. Uh, you're gonna take half damage from the storm as you run out, but run out you do. While I roll that damage, what are you doing? I have a couple questions for you as a DM. Absolutely. Just a refresher, Kimrel's Blade does function as a holy symbol, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Kimrel's Blade is mechanically both a holy symbol and a short sword. Okay, second question. The portal key. I know that Celica messed with it. Is it still a diamond worth at least 100 gold pieces? I would say so, yeah. There is a big crack down the middle of it, but between the two halves of it, with the clarity of it, I would say it's worth 100 gold pieces. I'd like to run over to Fee and make a medicine check to see what's going on with her. As you run out, you take seven bludgeoning damage as you bolt out the door and just get hit with this wind and this rain from the storm. You run over, you like slide onto your knees next to Fee. Go ahead and roll medicine check. 17. Yeah, she's dead. She's not cold. There is, like, heat rising from her body more than usual. She's extremely hot, but, like, her eyes are open and she is not seeing anything. You put your hand on her chest and it is hot. She has no pulse. I pull Kimrel's blade out of its holster and I hold the broken portal key to her chest. I shake her by the shoulders and say, No! No, 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 no. Hey, look at me. You, you don't get to leave me. You don't get to leave me. And I cast Revivify. Yeah, you do. Your first cleric spell in several months. The diamond portal key dissolves into dust and blows away. There is a pulse of purplish-gray necrotic light from Kimmel's Blade, and a long moment of silence. And then Fee goes, 
she like twitches one arm trying to curl over her chest protectively. She is shaking. She does not seem aware of what's going on, but she is alive. I don't fucking care what action that counts for. Leo breaks down sobbing. Yeah, totally fair. Yep, yep, yep. That'll be your turn. And then we move on to the captain. He books it across the deck. As you start bawling reasonably, he crashes to the deck next to you and he's going to grab onto one of his shoulders and then he looks at you and he says, I've got her. You've got magic now. Fucking do something with it. The captain is going to take the take cover option as he pulls Fee into his arms and bolts for the door. And then it's the storm. The storm is going to roll 8d10 because only Pelican and Boots took the help action. Glasses, the captain, and Fee are all taking cover, so none of them are going to do strength saves. But Pelican, you, Leo, and Boots all need to make them. That's 48 damage to the ship. It is down to 292 hit points. So I'm going to roll the strength saves for Pelican, you, and Boots. (laughs) Okay. So you handily saves with a dirty 20. Boots and Pelican both rolled nat 20s. (laughs) Ah, That's so funny. I believe that gay love can pierce through the veil of death and save the day. (laughs) Gay rights. We're recording this in Pride Month, just so everyone's aware. Boots and Pelican said gay rights. Absolutely. So the only person that still has to roll a strength save is Leo. No one else is taking damage. (laughs) Ah. No, 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 no. Seven on the die, minus one, that's a six. I'm taking 3d10 bludgeoning damage. You sure are. Okay, but the good news is that I rolled two ones and a three, so you take a total of five damage. Still doesn't feel good, but yeah, sure, I'll take it. Boots took that wave to the fucking face, but he is still standing. He is bracing the wheel, just trying to keep on course. He is the only one up there, and he is holding it. He is going to take another help action. And then it's Pelican's turn. All the sails are down at this point, so... Leo, from where you are prone on the deck, you watch Pelican drop out of the foremost mast. He hits the deck soundlessly, runs up a little closer to you, and then he's going to use one of his two spell slots to cast Arms of Hadar in a bit of an unorthodox way. You watch him look around wildly, like teeth bared, and then he just makes a frustrated noise in the back of his throat, and then a jerky hand gesture. And you watch tentacles explode out of his body, made of this funky spectral light. (laughs) Ah! You watch them just start grabbing shit and just, like, nailing it to the deck. (laughs) And two of them grab opposite rails. Because the spell does fun shit, he is going to both take the help action and brace himself, which we're going to allow only him to do. And you know what? He deserves it. Gay rights. Boxes and chests that otherwise would slide around and hit people or damage other parts of the ship. He just kind of like slaps down so they don't move. And that's his turn. You from the front yells, for fuck's sake, Pelican. 
And then she is also going to start tying shit down. She is also going to take the help action. Fee is taking the take cover action because she is barely conscious. Glasses is also taking cover. What are you doing? Okay, cool. The seal is broken. Leo is using his clerical magic again. I have a spell called Control Water at 4th level, which allows me to control the movement or behavior of water in a lot of different ways. I'm looking at the ship's stat block right now and seeing that it is 100 feet long by 20 feet wide. Sure is. There is an option for control water called redirect flow that allows you to basically control whatever direction that any water is flowing in this 100 foot cube. I would like to control the water so as to stop the ship from moving forward. And then for 40 feet on either side, the waves cannot touch us. The duration of this spell is 10 minutes with concentration. So what happens next, Al? (laughs) The waves and the rain pound against the edges of this cube, but they do not touch the ship. The wind is still blowing furiously, but the water is not approaching. You see it licking up at the front of the ship and the back, just barely on the edges, but it does not touch a single inch of the ship. Okay, so does that mean that we are stable at our current amount of hit points and that we are out of this combat with no further hit points lost on the ship or anybody else here? Yes, it does. Leo jabs his knife up into the sky, casts this sphere of protection around the boat, and waits it out. As soon as he is done, he's going to drop a mass healing word on everybody that's on deck. So that would be Boots, Pelican, and you right now, correct? Yeah, because Fee, Glasses, and the Captain are all inside. So all of them get 12 back, and then I am sprinting for the Captain's quarters. Fee, you regain lucidity in the Captain's quarters, with the Captain's hand cupped under your head, trying to lift you up off the pillow. You can't breathe quite right you can't think for sure everything hurts it's just this static pain throughout all of you and he is holding you looking down into your eyes and petting your hair back from your head lass look at me talk to me fee are you all right I think Fee tries to come up with something coherent to say, and instead just goes, Ow. I know, I know, I know. And he helps you sit up and starts trying to get the sopping wet clothes off of you to look at what the damage has done. 
you're still in a lot of pain. You don't really process a lot. But you do feel him pause as he pulls your shirt off your shoulders and goes, Oh, lass. You can feel his fingertips run down between your shoulder blades, which is not a new sensation. But the pain you feel when he does is something entirely new. It feels like every inch of your skin is on fire. He just lurches forward away from his hand, brings both hands up to fist in her hair, and just goes, Don't, don't, don't! (laughs) Oh, he takes like five steps back, immediately. He is really out of it and really confused still. She just is curled forward, both hands in her hair. I, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't, um... She tries to calm down, takes a very deep breath. I don't know what's going on. Um, can you get my brother? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Fee, you're not super lucid at this point, but you do hear the door to the captain's quarters creak open with a weirdly muffled sounding storm roaring outside. And you hear Leo's voice as he starts talking to the captain. He just uncurls a little bit and just whines and, like, reaches towards where she hears his voice. Before you can process anything else, there is a pair of arms locked around you and a warm body against you, just holding you. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, I've got you. He's still really out of it. I, I, I don't know, I don't know what happened, I don't, everything hurts. And she is just fully sobbing into his shoulder. There is a long pause as Leo and the captain exchange a very weighted look. And then you hear the door open and shut. And he just locks his arms around you and holds you up against him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I've got you. It's okay. Again, Fia is not super with it right now. She's kind of like got her face buried in his shoulder. She just, still like actively crying, takes a deep breath and goes, I, I want to lay down. Can I lay down? Yeah, of course. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I've got you. Just try to rest, okay? And Leo helps you lay down and does not let go of you. Fee's going to uh, try to either trance or pass out, whichever happens easier. Trancing is not hard. Your body has been through a lot and needs a lot to recover from it. So the last thing you process before you drop into your trance is just the pillow beneath your head and your brother whispering, It's okay. It's okay. I've got you. I've got you. It's okay. So, Leo. Fee drifts off into her trance. She has a vice grip on your shirt that you could probably break if you wanted to, but unless you do, you're not going anywhere. Wasn't planning on it. I've got her. You just lay there for a minute. Fee looks... The word that comes to mind is fragile. Her breathing and her pulse are not super steady. 
and even semi-conscious and trancing, she like flinches and whines if you come too close to touching her chest or her shoulders or her back. I'm going to try to find a place to hold her that it doesn't hurt, but that she knows that I'm here. So probably around her waist, I don't know. I think you get like one arm around her waist and like the other one under her head. She relaxes into the arm under her head and just in her semi-conscious state just goes. (sighs) Doesn't quite snuggle up against you because she is very much in pain, but some of the tightness in her eyebrows releases and her breathing gets a little deeper, a little more relaxed. Once she relaxes a little bit and starts trancing, I'm going to run a hand down along where most of her pain seems to be concentrated and try to cast a Lesser Restoration. I don't believe Lesser Restoration covers what's going on, because remind me what conditions Lesser Restoration removes. It is any disease or the blinded deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned conditions. As you do that, you feel like some of the muscles around her spine loosen up a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, outside of Cure Wounds, that's the highest level restorative spell that I have. A Cure Wounds might not be a miss. She does have one hit point right now. (laughs) Okay, cool. I do that too. It seems like between those two spells, She is as stable and as comfortable as you're going to get her. I have a whole day's worth of spells. I am just laying there, petting her hair down, and intermittently doing cure wounds, healing word, lesser restoration, as much as I can do to make her as comfortable as I can. It doesn't seem to completely alleviate the pain or completely steady whatever is going on with her heart and her breathing, but you think the only thing that can really be done about that is time and rest. Yep, Leo went from feeling useless to feeling useful to feeling useless all over again. So he's just gonna lay there and hold her, because that's the only thing he knows to do. You've been through a lot of stress the last It occurs to you that it's been less than an hour. Like, less than an hour ago, you were in your shared bunk in the cruise quarters having a pillow fight. You drift into your trance, whether you want to or not, because it's just been a lot. As you drift off and start to dream, you find yourself on the surface of completely still pitch black water. There is this light circling, flashing in these regular intervals. And in front of you stands a very tall skeletal figure with curling black horns in a hooded robe. Leo is looking down at his feet on the surface of the water. He is not looking up. I did what I had to do. I don't want to talk about it. Camrell, the Lord of Bones, says, All any of us ever do 
is what we have to. Clara. <laughs> Can I roll to punch Carol the Lord of Bones? <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to have to roll plus strength, or in your case, minus strength, but... 18. Kimberl's armor class is pretty high, but you manage to connect with his jawbone, and his head rolls to the side, and you get the sense that he is doing it deliberately so you won't break your hand. But you get a good punch in. He jerks his head back to face you with a horrible crack of bones and he says did you get that out of your system did it feel good none of this feels good my sister is in pain everybody that i've ever cared about doesn't want me back in their life soren is dead my mother is dead none of this is good but i did what i had to do And frankly, I don't give a shit about what your judgment on that is. I am done making the decision consciously to not help people. Because... Because that's not a decision. It's not an action. It's the opposite of action, and I get that now. But let's get one thing straight here, you skeletal fuck. I do not work for you. I made an agreement... You gave me power in exchange for it, and I will continue operating under those terms as long as I can. But believe you me, the first opportunity I get, I'm tearing it all down. The first opportunity I get, I am turning that island into nothing but ashes floating on the waves. Kimrel's glowing purple-gray spots of light that he has for eyes flare and then contract into pinpricks. He tilts his head a little bit, and he almost looks hungry. Then our goals are aligned. Great, cool, relatively comforting answers to existential theological questions that I had. What do you want? Because I'm a little busy taking care of my sister right now. He inclines his head a little bit. He says, I understand. It is difficult to watch someone we love suffer. I sympathize. Leo's jaw clenches to the point of pain. I could not give two shits about your sympathies. And frankly, I couldn't give two shits about you. But what I was raised to believe is that you represent justice and righteousness. So really, all I care about is whether or not you have the power to help me make those things happen. He grins with those sharp silver fangs. You have the will to execute it. Certainly. And he holds out one skeletal hand. Leo takes it without hesitation.
And Leo, you have reached level nine death cleric. Level nine death cleric, level one rogue. Okay. Cool. So I have access to some more shit now. I would like to, when I wake up, roll an arcana check on Fee to see if doing a greater restoration would help her in any way. Okay. Roll that. 13. With a 13, you glean two things. One, since you started using magic, you have a little bit of kind of a sense for it that like sorcerers such as Fee and your father have naturally, but you've managed to pick up a little bit of it. Fee's magic feels different in a way that is hard to really define. Beyond that, you think Greater Restoration would shave off a couple levels of exhaustion, maybe, and you are able to glean that she is operating under several. Like, it's going to take her a few days to be back to functional at the moment, and you could shave that time down a little bit. But other than that, not really. Yeah, she's going to be able to rest and recover that on her own. I'm going to make sure of that. I'd like to pull out my book where my new spells are. Do I have an opportunity, now that I've leveled up, to re-prepare and select different spells? Yes, if you would like to do that. Um, I would. I'd like to cast Scrying. Okay. I sit up, make sure Fee is still trancing, make sure that she still feels safe and secure. The target of my scrying spell is very familiar to me, which means that he is going to get negative five to his saving throw to avoid it. I need Zed to make a wisdom saving throw. That's what I thought you'd say, you son of a bitch. Zed has plus four to whiz saves, which means that he gets a minus one because you are familiar with him. So he rolled a 13. That does not meet my spell save DC. So he fails an invisible sensor appears within 10 feet of him and follows him. And I would very much like to see what Zed is doing right now. Zed is at a bar. It appears to be Voldurin. He is sitting at the bar top. He is looking deeply into a cup, and then he drains it and yells something to the bartender, makes a quick hand gesture. He smiles, and it is sharp-edged and brittle. But he's safe. Seems healthy. So he's okay? I don't know if I would say that, but again, safe, healthy. Leo nods, dispels the scrying spell, and just puts his face down in Fee's hair and takes his trance. That's where we're going to wrap this week.
hey, I hate this. I hate all of this. Oh, same. (laughs) Next week should be less whatever this was. See, but we keep saying that, and then... It's true this time. It's true this time. Guess we'll find out next time. On Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As per usual, we're going to go ahead and plug our social medias. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, which is where we post audio snippets from the show. We have lots of other cool stuff, including an official Spotify profile, an official website. You can find all of that stuff linked on our various social media pages. Additionally, we also host a weekly Q&A live stream over on our YouTube channel, so if you want to search Compelled Duel on YouTube and subscribe to us over there, we'd love to see you come hang out every week while we answer questions about the latest episode and generally just have a little bit of fun. If you're enjoying what you're hearing so far on the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. You can find us over on patreon.com slash compelled duel, where starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool perks including but not limited to early access, access to exclusive Spotify playlists, bonus content, and even letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting us in ways other than pledging to the Patreon, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you consider leaving us a rating and a review because that helps get the show promoted to a wider audience and helps us grow our listener base. And as always, word of mouth advertising is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal. So if you like Compelled Duel, we ask that you just tell three friends about it. And if they like it, ask them to tell three friends as well. Our next episode will be going live on Friday, August 22nd, 2021. Or if you are a member of our Patreon, you'll get your early access on Thursday, August 21st. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.